0: And welcome back to the Cover Three podcast here on CBS Sports, live from Room. I mean, we'll be checked out by now. One thirty-six yeah, <laughs> at the Hilton Garden Inn in Austin. Uh, Martin Simmons, right beside me, has just finished his uh, ole ole his ole ole
3: delicious, delicious Ch- cuisine chimichanga, steak and cheese <laughs> burrito.
0: Tom Vernelli on the other side uh, in Chicago. We uh, we just got done with a uh an lsu texas game that we will get to uh, as well as our thoughts from a rough day for some on the locks i think that i took a beating too tom do you have that pulled yes. up right now
2: yeah you went two and five that's a, a bloodletting
0: an absolute bloodletting um so let's uh w- tom where do you want to start do you want to start at lsu texas i'll let you take take the lead on that what stood out to you did you get a chance to watch it or are you too busy watching tennessee and byu
2: I, I mean, I saw most of it, but I had to I did have to watch BYU and Tennessee. So so thank you for that, Tennessee. A great <laughs> game between LSU and Texas going on and during the second half I have to devote time to watching you lose to BYU. But uh no, it was I mean, I'll take that game every week if that's what top ten teams want to do, having, you know, like two quarterbacks throw for over four hundred yards going back and forth. And it it was like a high scoring affair, but at the same time, it didn't feel like a, you know, typical Big 12 kind of video game shootout. I thought that, I mean, like, particularly, I thought it's crazy to say, considering Texas threw for so many yards, but I thought LSU's secondary played really well for the most part in that game. And they just kind of got taken advantage of. But it was just, it was a great game, man. I mean, I, I don't I don't think there's really anything you could take away from it other than, you know what, LSU might really be for real in the SEC this year because I, I think that the biggest question... Going into this one was, you know, they said they were changing the offense. They said they were going to open things up. But in the back of your mind, you're sitting there thinking about, well, yeah, they said that with Matt Canada, too. And then as soon as anything started going wrong, Orgeron just kind of overrode what Canada was doing. And they went back to being, you know, typical LSU. Let's put two tight ends out there, fullback, and we'll just run the ball down your throat. But they didn't do that. I mean, they they played a tempo spread on the road in Austin. And they got 45 points and 573 yards of offense. Joe Burrow nearly threw for 500 freaking yards. It was just, it was awesome to watch. It was a fantastic football game. I loved every minute of
3: it. Joe Burrow looked like a dang beast, man. He, he, he looked unreal. I mean, some of those, like the, the throws he was making where he was, and, and uh, particularly, what was it? Was it a third down throw, I guess, that he, when he stepped up? kind of took a hit. This is in the fourth quarter and threw it sort of across his body to a crosser for a first down. And it was just like, man, that's an unbelievable throw. And he was... And and, and the throws he was making too were like big balls throws. Like... In, like Was in, it
0: third and 17 with about four minutes left? Yes. Because I, I texted you and I said, it's time to be iconic. And I thought that that had to do with Sam Ellinger, who was about to get the ball back. Because at the time, it was 38-31. Or maybe it, it was uh, yeah. it 37-31. And it was set up such that, you know, Texas comes up with a big stop on second down. It's third and long. I figure, holy crap. Because I, I made the mistake with this game of sort of deciding in my head LSU was going to win. You know, I was just sort of working through the second half under the assumption of, right. as like, oh, LSU's going to win this game. And there in the final five minutes, I had to really start entertaining. as like, so if Texas, A, could win this game, and B, if they do, it's going to be, like, legendary. People are going to talk about this game as one of the better regular season games of the year, and it's only week two if Sam Ellinger does lead this team back to a, you know, 39, 38 uh, last-minute win. And... T- Surely enough, the uh, the iconic play was Joe Burrow, who converted on that third down, and then I think two plays later had the touchdown pass.
3: I mean, I, and I never, I don't know about you, but I never got the impression that Texas was going to win the game. Like, there was never that moment I was like, oh, man. I mean, yeah, there was always, you know, LSU had to punch back, but I never got the impression that LSU wasn't going to be able to punch back. I, I had confidence in them the whole game, and... I mean the the cuz the the offense is great and opening it up and and Joe Brady you know uh, getting them to play with pace and and uh you know getting them to 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 you know get get in the RPO and the spread stuff whatever but those guys had to make plays mm. like like Justin Jefferson had to make big time catches in traffic in the end zone uh, Jamar Chase had to go up and like moss a couple guys along the way like Joe Burrow had to make some throws so it's not this magic offense like it was guys it, it i mean it, it was an offense that allowed guys to go out there and make plays and and LSU has always had those guys and uh and tonight they i mean they made plays and we got to see how fun it can be when all those freak show LSU athletes are actually running an offense that gets them involved
2: I I have no idea what the stat is, but I would love to know the last time if it's ever even happened in program history that LSU had three 100 yard receivers and no 100 yard rushers in a single game.
3: Ooh. (laughs) There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, I don't even know if they've ever. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't have they ever had 300 yard receivers in one game?
2: I can't imagine they have, and it's not, they didn't just have a hundred. I mean, like Marshall was, was like the 140? lowest on the order, he had one twenty three. Yeah, yeah, it's like one forty, <laughs> one thirty, one twenty, or something stupid like that. Yeah. Jefferson
0: Mar- had hundred and sixty
2: three yards.
0: Uh, it was, I mean, it's it was a nice reminder of uh, obviously Barton, like in your wheelhouse, but wasn't Marshall a, was Marshall a five star guy?
3: Terrace Marshall, yeah, yeah uh-huh. Terrace
0: Marshall, five star guy. Jamar Chase, number one player in the state of Louisiana. Was, like
3: uh, Jam- Jamar Chase was a five star for us too. Like, yeah.
0: like there's, it, it is not surprising that a group of four and five star future NFL talents at wide receiver can, if put in the right position, be able to go out there and ball out like that. And uh, and Joe Burrow, man, he's got. So, he was like, yeah, I mean. We put up a whole bunch of yards of offense, but, you know, honestly, we could have had 700 yards of offense. <laughs> he is playing with so much confidence right now. I'm all in for the overreactions. Joe Burrow in the Heisman Trophy race, LSU in the college football playoff race. They want Bama. I'm, Because, you know, LSU, like because it wasn't that long ago, they were kind of like college football's darling, right? You know, because they were the anti-Alabama. It's not going to take much for everybody to jump on board. Like, is it, is it possible that they're
3: going to get a little too hot?
0: Is the stock going to get too high?
3: Well, plus everyone loves everyone loves being on Orgeron's team. Yes. They, <laughs> he's such a lovable character in college football. And I do think like, Joe Burrow... Isn't like the, there's going to be the Heisman word for thrown around, but I like part of me thinks like how many people are really are taking that seriously? They're just like, oh, like what a high, like that's a Heisman kind of game. Maybe we should talk about Joe Burrow in the Heisman conversation, but it, it might be. I mean, why not? Like, why can't he? Like, he might actually win the Heisman. I mean, if if he has those guys to throw to, if he has that kind of an offense. If he did that to that secondary, and I know that that secondary is still finding its way, but it's talented, and so um, th- this isn't, you know, I-, I just think the Heisman sort of talk that's going to start popping up is-, is not token talk. Like, I think he should be now, if you're going to Vegas looking for someone to throw some money on, like, Joe Burrow's as good a pick as anybody at week two in the season. Same with Keaton Slovis. <laughs> <laughs>
2: USC's going to the playoff, Chip. Oh, man.
0: All right. Before we get to uh, USC Stanford, this that would nor- if we were on a regular schedule, we would be narrating the Keaton Slovis takeover uh, as we're working our way through this podcast. Uh, before Tom- we move on, yeah, I just yeah, want yeah. to
2: bring up one thing. Okay. Let's think about the juxtaposition of this, where LSU, probably its biggest win in However, many years at this point tonight, going into Austin, beating Texas, that kind of performance. Meanwhile, a couple hundred miles north, less miles in Kansas, losing to coastal Carolina, 12 to 7.
3: Mm. It's a long way away from Baton Rouge. Yeah. Wait, 12? 12 to 7. That's
0: a baseball score. Yeah. <laughs> Your boy was on the
2: under and did not break a sweat. <laughs>
0: um, I didn't get I I well I did not watch a lick of that. Uh is Joe Moglia still coaching Coastal?
3: I don't know. I mean yeah, I no, think technically I think but he's been injured. I mean he's been uh yeah. had health issues. Mm. Uh, but I, I mean yeah, that uh, Coastal was a 9 point underdog there, which was probably there's no reason Kansas sh- should be given more than 3 points to anyone in the FBS. Uh so yeah, that was that was one we probably should have jumped on top of. Jamie Chadwell's coaching the <laughs> um, Chanticleers.
0: Right. How do we – do we come out of this game feeling any different about Texas because it was a team that, uh, like, great group of wide receivers that showed out in a way. Uh, Devin Duveray, like, I wasn't ready for him to be such a star. And we were talking about him a little bit, like, maybe
3: maybe it was a Baylor uh, commit initially yeah i think that i think that's right i mean i i hate i hate that i don't know that off the top of my head but i think he was a baylor commit that bounced when baylor's sanctions came down when
0: everybody got the free pass to Mm -hmm. be able to go somewhere else but um i i I thought that they did a, a pretty solid job here i felt like i came into this game uh expecting to learn a lot about texas and i felt like i i started to fill in some of that tom like do you come out of the game feeling any different about Texas in terms of where it stacks up to Oklahoma and the rest of the Big 12?
2: I'm actually a little more optimistic about it than I was going into the game. It's I Because, you know, I have felt all along that while Texas was improving, it wasn't improving at the same rate that Oklahoma was. So the gap was actually widening. But to see it the way it played tonight against LSU, I mean – You know, this is a team I think now, you know, can can compete with Oklahoma. We saw them beat Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl last year. Of course, in the Big 12 title game, things changed a bit, but I don't, I still think Oklahoma is the better team, but I don't think Texas has anything to feel bad about from this. I mean, they played just about as well as you could play. Ellinger had 400 yards, they had 530 yards of offense against an LSU defense. They have, you know what I mean? It's, this was a very good performance for the Longhorns. They just came up short against a better team, and I think that you know, I still have Oklahoma obviously as my favorite in the Big Twelve, but I, I'm giving Texas a little more respect than I did before the night started.
3: Yeah, I was sat in Tom Herman's post game presser, and he there was no, uh, there was no sense that he felt like his team was a disappointment. I mean, they, they, I think he was just like that was a great game. We battled. That was a good team. We lost a good team. He had a ton of respect for what Joe Burrow did, and that's just the way the way the the cookie crumbles. Sometimes I think that one of the big differences in the game. I think uh, LSU went five for five in the red zone, and uh, Texas two went, goal line stops. Texas went three for five in the red zone. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know that was a big difference, and you know, and I, and I thought, I mean, yeah, like there were some playmakers for Texas. really I mean, Duvernay was like. He he'd straight up, like, big boy Grant Delpit, like, two or three times. Yeah. Just sort of tough guy at him. And, uh, and, and then we saw the speed. Like, he had a great day. And then how about the other side? Did you guys notice, first of all, the, the near interception that Derek Stingley almost had on Colin Johnson – was yes. an unbelievable play.
0: Oh no, it was an interception. They called it an incomplete pass after review, but it was an interception. <laughs> yeah, it was an
3: interception, yeah. <laughs> It was an excellent but, interception. And and did you guys notice that that I mean I think I don't I mean I I do not remember them testing him hardly at all after that. Now, they might have gone him once or twice and I'm not remember like they, they were going they were going to Christian Fulton and the other side of the field the rest of the game. And yep. Colin Johnson wasn't doing anything. And I mean that's that's the true freshman and he, was, he looked like so legit. Um, so I thought he was a breakout in that game. We obviously know about the quarterbacks, but th- those Duvernay, uh, all those LSU receivers, and then, and then Derek Stingley, man, that, that was, uh, those are some new stars that came out of this one.
2: Yeah, I, I jokingly tweeted. I says, man, thank God LSU finally found a decent defensive back.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um,
0: Michigan, concerning or no? Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, yeah, it's concerning. Because Army will lull
0: you into weird games. You can get tricked into putting together uh, a game that when the season is over, the Army game can look like an outlier. And I'm not just talking about Oklahoma because that was the I, – I saw that conversation pop up like, hey, don't freak out about this. Like, Oklahoma struggled with Army. Never forget the pay-per-view game. But I, I will – I will ignore that, but also acknowledge that sometimes just in the flow of the game, Army can have your number. Now, it was a surprise, and it was especially concerning for some of the reasons that we were talking about this week, which would be Don Brown spending all spring and all summer getting excited about playing Army. Uh, The defensive line coach spent, you know, what, six years uh, on the Navy staff, and so we felt like they were going to be 100% ready for it. The defense got a lot of praise from Jim Harbaugh after the game, but, I mean, the offense was bad. We saw two quarterbacks. The running backs were uh, missing on some protection schemes. Like, this is, uh, this, is, this is the same old song and dance with Michigan's offense. Josh Gaddis was supposed to come in, and we weren't going to have all this hand-wringing about why Michigan's offense was ineffective. So, why is Michigan's <laughs> offense ineffective? <laughs>
3: I mean, I I really believe, like I believe that um, Josh Gaddis has been placed in a really difficult position. He's been billed as this as this savior. He's been billed as this sort of um, like young wonder. What how do you pronounce it? Is it? Wonderkind. It's Wonderkind. Wonderkind. Yeah. He's been he's been. Proclaimed as this sort of wonderkind, offensive mind, and he, and I didn't think, and I think he is a great offensive mind. But like, he has never called plays before, and like, I just, I think, um, he, th- there's no reason to think that like we're not going to get there, and that they're not going to improve. But I, I think that it was just like an unfair spot to put him in to to act like this was just all of a sudden snap of a finger, and here's Michigan, this juggernaut offense. Finally, I also think. It's time for Shea Patterson to to roll his sleeves up and start freaking playing like he's supposed to be an NFL quarterback. It's not he's not doing it right now. Um, but no, I just thought. I mean, the, the thing about the Oklahoma deal, and I, I haven't looked at the drive chart. I got to you know maybe I'm wrong on this, but from watching it at the bar, but you know before our setup for the the pregame show. You know Oklahoma scored pretty much every time they touched the ball last year. It's just they didn't touch the ball that much, because Army's offense was moving it so effectively and holding onto it and possessing it. Michigan got some stops, and then Army was Army was stopping Michigan. Like that's a problem. You should be able to find you should be able to find the matchups, particularly the skill positions, to where Army for the, that that the Army can't do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are differences between what happened with Oklahoma and what happened with Michigan. Because, I mean, like you just said, Oklahoma was scoring when it had the ball. At the end of the day, in that game last year, Army actually outgained Oklahoma because it was holding on to the ball so long. That wasn't the case— in this game against Michigan I mean Army only had 243 yards of offense there, there's some context that we need to discuss as far as Michigan's defense is concerned because Army's touchdown drives they had three drives one was 60 yards one was 40 yards and one was 25 yards so they had it was a lot like the middle Tennessee game last week where the, the turnovers on Michigan's offense led to a short field and again Michigan had three turnovers today. They had three fumbles. The Wolverines lost three fumbles all last season, and they fumbled the ball, put it on the ground three, four times today, and lost three of them. But there are serious concerns with this offense that I had while watching it. Shea Patterson was making one read, and if it wasn't there, he was he, he was looking to go. He was looking to get out of the pocket. And now, granted, Michigan had was missing its starting left tackle today. They had a freshman ta- left tackle and a freshman right tackle. So that's going to be a problem. But you're also playing Army. And I'd like to think that even if you're a freshman, if you're a freshman at Michigan, you should still have an athletic advantage over the kid at Army. Now, maybe he's, he's going to be older than you, but still. He's at Army, you're Michigan. You should be able to do better than they did today because that offensive line really, the tackles were getting beat whenever Shea Patterson dropped back to pass. And Michigan couldn't run the ball up the gut either. Michigan averaged 2.4 yards per carry against Army. If you can't get three yards per carry against Army, what are you going to do when you get into the Big Ten schedule? How are you going to run the ball against Big Ten defenses? When you're facing Michigan State, which held Tulsa to negative 73 yards last week, how are you going to run against them? So there are serious concerns with this offense. And I think that, you know, we, we talked about Josh Gattis. Who's winning that Mike Loxley, Josh Gattis beef right Ooh. now? Guys? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Last I checked, Maryland's offense is doing pretty okay.
3: Hmm. Yeah, that's not a, That's not that's a that's that's a tough L.
0: Hey, this is this is an overreaction. This is a one fifteen a.m. Central Time overreaction. Michigan State's
3: offense might be better than Michigan's right now. Uh, that is that is what t- it is. One one fifteen. A.M.? yeah
0: Michi- Michi- Michigan <laughs> Michigan not going there yet. Michigan State's offense woke up baby I know it's just western yeah. but Michigan State's offense woke up today
3: Maybe hey
2: Michigan State averaged 7.4 yards a carry today <laughs> I'm saying they
0: had it they that offensive line answered the call they were challenged and they answered like I think that it is uh, it is time to get to the point, It's like what if what if Michigan's just not that good this year and that's cool like you can be a perfectly fine middle of the Big 10 team it's just that because Urban Meyer's not there there was just this urge that we were just going to push Michigan forward
3: well that's why I, it's for me it's really about uh, that's what i was talking about sort of the unfair expectations that gaddis has and it's really the these unrealistic expectations that michigan has you know i think i think tom tom got suck, suckered in by him right aren't you having them in the playoffs tom oh uh, yeah so i'm not giving up yet i'm not giving up this is like this is the team that i kind of thought they would be i mean they just i I think there there was this sort of all right well if 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 not if not now then when and it's like no like it's just it's still not now it's not they're not they're not there yet they just aren't i mean when you get when you compare them to what ohio state did today uh it's you know it's just clear they're just not there they're not on that level yet.
2: Well, the good news is that after struggling against Middle Tennessee and struggling against Army, they have a bye next week before they go on the road to face Wisconsin.
3: Who Wisconsin's next up, huh?
2: Wisconsin, th- who has won two games by a total score of
3: hundred and ten to
2: nothing. <laughs> Man, that's uh... if that
0: line is less than seven, I'm taking the Badgers.
2: I, I have a hard time not taking the Badgers based on what I've seen through the first two Are weeks. Are you
0: saying
3: you think Michigan will be favored?
0: No, no, no. I'm saying Wisconsin, I could see them as a four-and-a-half to six-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah. If it's anywhere in there, yeah. taking the Badgers. If you get, if you throw out
3: that seven-and-a-half, that might be a little much. Y- yeah. I don't know. That's going to be a weird one. But, I man, there's no question. I mean, there's no question who I think the better team is right now. So, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um how about Ohio State just steamrolling Cincinnati who just steamrolled UCLA who just got steamrolled by San Diego State? <laughs> but like I, for a while, I thought that was a really impressive win. And then it was like, well, maybe just UCLA is not very good and Cincinnati is right. <laughs> just a little bit better of a not very good team. But either way, I do think that Cincinnati looked like they – Tried to force Justin Fields to throw, and he, that that suckered through it, man. <laughs> like he, I'm I'm I, I'm feeling better about Justin Fields by the day, um, because he he's he just looks like he's he, he, you know he's not. I, I I had some fears that he was going to be a ways away, and I think he's pretty ready right now.
2: Yeah, no, Cincinnati looked like a team where, I mean, obviously a lot can change between now and the end of the year, but I'm hoping they don't get the New Year's Six group of five birth because that's gonna be a boring game. <laughs> Cincinnati's playing somebody else in one of those games. Uh no, that was that was too easy for Ohio State. Honestly, that was the impression I got watching it, it was like, man, there's just they're they're playing against air right now. It's they they really didn't have any difficulty. In anything they averaged seven yards of play. They had five hundred yards of offense. I, I don't even remember if Cincinnati crossed midfield. I'm sure it did. I don't remember. It was just, it was like the most boring breezy. Ohio State playing a preseason game kind of game. I mean, J.K. Dobbins had had 141 yards, the two touchdowns. Fields ran for 42 and two, while also throwing for 224 and two. He only had five incompletions the entire game. So, I mean, it was just, yeah, Ohio State still by far the class of the Big 10 and there's there's a wide gap between them and everybody else.
0: But I believe that Cincinnati's a good team. I mean, I get that if
2: I it, think it's a good AAC team.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I thought I think 42 to nothing against Cincinnati, like especially that nothing is a um that leaves an impression with me. I think that should not be ignored in our Justin Fields analysis and in our Ohio State analysis as we continue to move forward because yeah, I mean it was, uh, I, I've been, I've been kind of trying to doubt Ohio state. I've been trying to nitpick and it's because we felt like they've had the, you know, the Ryan day has been handed the, the nice expensive car, this Ohio state team in the last couple of years, they've always been super talented, but like defensively they weren't always there. And so I don't know. I've I come away from Ohio state 42 Cincinnati, nothing. Uh, I've, I, I could see them all of a sudden starting to get a little bit closer in the conversation to your Alabama-Clemson-Oklahoma than they were before.
3: I mean, they, they are, hey, we just saw LSU tonight. Um, I think Ohio State, LSU-Georgia are the teams with, the talent to match up with clemson and alabama you can throw oklahoma in there too but that's really more of offensive talent and there's offense is just so good right but i think from a roster one through 85 talent standpoint i think there's four teams those four um uh or what i say five five. those five teams yeah so and they're proving it i mean that that's uh that's what you're supposed to
0: do Coming up on the other side, talking about those Clemson Tigers and uh, in their matchup with Texas A&M and more from around the country in week two. Next.
1: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half. Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: So uh, really, really dastardly backdoor cover by Texas A&M. Oh, it
2: was a heartbreaker.
0: (laughs) A real heartbreaker because uh, one year after Kellen Mond threw for 430 yards and three touchdowns, I kind of thought Clemson's defense did a good job of keeping him in check. It's possible that, you know, Kellen Mond just didn't have a great day, and I think he probably will have better days than he did uh, on Saturday afternoon in Death Valley. Tom, did you get your eyes on good – I I did not get my eyes on uh, much of this. Did you? And what did you uh, think of the win?
2: Yeah, I, I live blogged it and wrote on it, so I mm-hmm. saw plenty of it. I uh, Kellen Mond better have better days. He day. looked like, it looked like so it was he, a bad. So day. he was
3: just bad, huh? Because when I was watching it in, uh, you know, on one uh, one of the screens in the bar I was at, it, it, like early in the game, it seemed like he was making some throws. Did did. Am I? Was I just sort of miss miss seeing that, or did he just was he just start to finish just not good?
2: Now they had the one drive early in the game where they went like you know like ten plays, but they only they only covered like forty eight yards. They took like eight minutes off the clock covering forty eight yards, and they ended up getting the field goal. Where he looked okay on that drive, but they weren't exactly you know like they were, they were kind of like settle in throws more than they were you know big play throws. He was just off. Honestly, like he was missing high a lot. And now it wasn't all him. I mean, there were some throws where his receivers really weren't doing him many favors. There were balls that maybe weren't in the right place, but were catchable. And they weren't being brought in. And, you know, that's that's going to be a problem against a team like Clemson. And then also later in the game, he was clearly dealing with cramps. Like he had like a big old hitch in his giddy up because his right leg was driving him nuts. And you could see him like lifting his toes, trying to stretch his calf. You could tell he was really cramping up. And there were a lot of people cramping up in Death Valley on Saturday. But just compared to what he did last year, the expectations, I think, coming into this game for him now on the road were already a little too high, and then he didn't even come close to meeting those. He had one great drive in the fourth quarter where I thought he looked fantastic. And then it ended with him not seeing an obvious blitz from the linebacker coming, not to his blind side, to his front side. He didn't see it coming, tried throwing a pass, got hit as he was throwing, the ball fluttered in the air, picked off in the red zone. And, I mean, that was the end of the day for Texas A&M. So. He, he had trouble picking up the blitzes. He had trouble being accurate with his throws, and it was just not a very good day for Mond or the Aggies' offense the entire game. And honestly, on the other side, Clemson's offense didn't really look like the juggernaut we're used to seeing either. Trevor Lawrence was 24 for 35. He had 268 yards. He had one beautiful touchdown pass in which he kind of bought time, rolled out of the pocket to his left. Found Justin Ross for the touchdown. It was just absolutely gorgeous. It was like, okay, there's your number one NFL pick in a couple of years. But he also at times like I felt like he is so used to having guys like Ross and Higgins and just giant freak receivers that he kind of takes things for granted sometimes. And I feel like he's got the sense that if I just put it in an area, they'll probably catch it. And I thought he could make some better throws. Like he threw the, the interception he threw at the last in the last possession that led to AM's final long touchdown drive, that should have been an easy six. He underthrew it. He tried to get cute and back shoulder it when he could have just led Ross into the end zone, and it would have been an easy touchdown. So you see stuff like that. And then rushing game, Travis Etienne, I thought the Aggies did a very good job of pretty much kind of shutting him down that the Texas A&M defense should feel real good about itself after that, because I mean they held Clemson to 24 points and they held him to 389 yards. That's the fewest yards Clemson has had in a game since the last time it lost, which was to Alabama in that semi in the Sugar Bowl. So if you could do that, you should feel good. And I just think that if I'm the Texas A&M defense, I feel like my offense let me down because they kept them in the game. And the Aggies should have had a chance to win it, it had Kellen Mond and the offense just been able to hold up their end of the bargain.
3: Did Clemson look like the best team in the country?
2: Not today, no. Yeah. It's I mean, they still looked really good. Yeah. But it's today was not Clemson's best performance. And I I said on HQ afterwards, we were talking about it. Cause I I think that the biggest challenge this team's going to have left now is going to be boredom because they didn't play well. And they still beat Texas A&M by two touchdowns. And it was really three touchdowns because, you know, that last touchdown came in the final 10 seconds of the game. So they still coasted to a victory. Well, I would say playing at 60% of capacity. And now you look at what happened to Syracuse against Maryland where they lost 63 to 20. I think we can all agree Syracuse isn't the team we thought it was going to be. Miami's now 0-2. So it's like you look around the ACC and you look at who's left on their schedule. And it's like, man, what's the challenge going to be for this team? So, I'm my concern with Clemson is like, will they even they might just coast and kind of get complacent?
0: I don't know. I mean, they do have to go play Mac Brown in Chapel Hill, Mac Brown, Mac Brown 2 0 in uh, the state of North Carolina. So that's 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 one you got to watch out for right there. I what so I I am willing to believe that Maryland is really good, but I think you're right, Tom. I, I think that we need to we need to say farewell to our beloved. Tommy DeVito and the Syracuse Orange as like
1: yeah.
0: this, this great ACC uh, counter to Clemson, this, this, the second best team in the ACC, either division. I think the second best team in the ACC is probably Virginia.
2: It's, it's. Yeah. F- I mean, when we. When we were down to Fort Lauderdale a few weeks ago doing our preview shows, and it was like, who's the threat to Clemson? And everybody said Syracuse, and I said Miami. And now uh, <laughs> Syracuse is one and
3: one, and Miami's 0 oh and 2. So I guess there really isn't a threat to Clemson in the AZZ. It's funny how, you know, Dino Babers is being sort of penciled in as one of the top candidates for that USC job. And it all kind of simultaneously falling apart there. You got getting killed by Marilyn, Tommy DeVito, not quite what we thought, and meanwhile, Clay Helton may not be dead just yet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe uh, get back to the drawing board there for Dino because this, this could be a little bit a longer year than we thought.
0: Um, Tom, where, lead, lead us. Where, where else do you want to go? What's, up, what's standing out on your, uh, on your notepad?
2: Uh, let's see here. I mean, we could talk about, uh, we, we've kind of covered the Maryland. Thing. So Other I want to,
3: the... here's, here's, here's one, Tom, cause mm-hmm. I didn't watch this game and I want to, I want to get your thoughts and see if you you watched it. I mean, Nebraska, Colorado looked like, a, 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 oh, a, yeah. Wild, yeah. like a wild, wild game. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, that, that was a fan. That was, I mean, I've always loved the Nebraska Colorado rivalry to begin with from back in the big eight and then the big 12 days. So it's, you know, I, I'm always going to enjoy it, but that was just, I mean, Nebraska had the 17 nothing lead at halftime and they blew it. Colorado scored 24 points in the fourth quarter. It was just, it, it got just, it got wild and loose, man. It was really fun. It was crazy I don't think there's anything too much we could take away from it other than Nebraska's defense still has work to do, and Colorado is still capable of scoring a lot of points and still capable of allowing points, although it played well in the second half when it had to. But that was just kind of one of those games where it was really fun to watch a lot of strange and crazy things happen. I mean, there were five turnovers.
3: Well, I mean, and Nebraska's was... offense must have must have really stalled in that second half. Did it not?
2: Well, I mean— they... They averaged six and a half yards per play on the game. And if you looked at it in the first half, they were at 8.6. In the second half, they were still at five. So it's like they dropped off, but it wasn't, you know, like they were completely incapable of moving the ball. It was just, I think it was, let's see, in the second half here they had, they punted on their first three possessions, touchdown, fumble, touchdown, punt, interception, field goal. So, I mean, it's... It was. They had what th- three, three, and outs? Yeah, so yeah, they they kind of stumbled. They had, a, but they had a few big plays. Like their one touchdown drive, it was right after Colorado had, I think, pulled within four. And then there was the one play, seventy-five yard touchdown drive to Scotty Washington that put Nebraska right back. And I thought that was going to be, where well, okay, now it's over. It was a nice little comeback attempt. Colorado was making a game of it, but then I was like, this, this is going to put it away. But no, Colorado just kept coming they had, I mean, a, they had an over think, to hit they had to get that over <laughs> i i think it just it's a testament to like guys like steven montez you know this is a veteran offense for the most part you know Laviska chanel steven montez this is their last go around they're, they're they weren't going to quit they wanted to come back and win this game and they did it was it was it was awesome honestly i mean like i said earlier i don't think there's any really any certain takeaways from it other than who that was a really fun four hours
0: Colorado's the third best team in the Pac 12 South.
2: It could be. I don't think there is a third best team in the <laughs> Pac 12 South. I think there's Utah and USC and a couple other teams and then UCLA, but it could be. I was putting
0: uh, UCLA in the basement, I was putting Arizona in the basement, and then I was debating whether or not. Colorado could have a leg up on Arizona state behind USC who is behind Utah.
2: If UCLA is in the basement, I don't think it's fair to anybody else to put somebody down there with them.
0: (laughs) Is is UCLA, uh, would UCLA finish second place in, uh, in the mountain West?
2: No. I don't know. I don't think so. They I mean, just got they just San, San Diego State's Diego State. not the best team in the Midwest. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, and they just—I mean, San Diego State beat Weber State six to nothing last week. So it's not like—I mean, maybe they were just completely saving
3: everything for UCLA, but I doubt that was the case. I can't believe how bad UCLA is. That's amazing. And and so USC is back. They're alive and well. They are the playoff <laughs> hopes return. They're two and zero. So this is this is shades of uh, Sam Darnold. You guys remember Clay Helton was like basically a goner, and Max Brown. He had had picked Max Brown as a starter, even though buzz around camp was that uh, Sam Darnold was better. But Max Brown had waited his turn. Uh, Good team player. Time to give him his shot. Goes Max Brown. It's a disaster. They go Sam Darnold. In and, the
0: Stanford game, too?
3: Mm, I don't know. I don't think it was in the Stanford game. Was it? It was early season. No, what? I, well, I, well, well no, uh,
0: Darnold's a freshman when he becomes the starter, and it's not at the beginning of the year,
3: but I think it was at least early on. Well, either way, Sam Darnold gets the job, and then the rest is history. Clay Hilton's alive and well. Things go start to go downhill again. And JT Daniels wins the job. JT Daniels gets hurt. And, and it sure seemed like this offense just took off when Keaton Slovis got under center. Uh, they ended up winning 45 to 20 or something. Uh, so, mm-hmm. ugh, hey, man, if they, f- if they figure out how to get those wide receivers involved, they got as good a wide receiver group as anyone in the country. If, if they found someone that can get those guys the football, man, look out. I don't know. They they're talented. Those your boys. I <laughs> know. I
0: know. I'm I'm glad to hear you sing in the chorus so that uh so that I don't have well, to. Yeah,
3: you know, got finally got a little bit of a reason for some optimism. It's been a long time. I've been begging them for something.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, there was that was a 17-3 game. And then USC outscored Stanford 42 to 3. From that point on, it was just—it was a clinic. It was—that was the most impressive Stanford performance I have seen since. Yeah, I mean, definitely better than anything you saw last year. So you, you'd have to go back to the Sam Darnold, and honestly, I mean, that's that forty-two to three stretch. I don't know if Sam Darnold ever had a game that was kind of as impressive, just as that run that they made there. That was just Graham Harrell's is going to be having his name come up. So this is the <laughs> hell maybe maybe
3: Harold's Helton's biggest threat
2: for the job right
3: now. <laughs> yeah, for real. So th- this is the year of the true freshman quarterback. So you got Keaton Slovis, you've got Sam Howell who balled today as a true freshman. Uh, there was a, uh, there was another one that, um, that came in. Oh man, now I'm blanking on it, but they're, but they're popping up everywhere and they're, they're good. And, uh, you know, it's just it's I don't know. It's 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 interesting, um, and I think like Bo Nix was all you know get got so much hype after beating Oregon last week. Bo, are Nicks, you talking about Bachmeyer? Even though he had a bad game on Friday, Bachmeyer. I think like Bo Nix might be like the fifth best true freshman quarterback. That's a hot take for you. Here's another hot take for you: is is Auburn better with Joey Gatewood? Ooh, I mean, I, there's there's not a. I know he played at the very end of that Tulane game, but man, that guy's so athletic. I don't know. I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to like, diss on Bo Nix too bad. But uh, I think Bo Nix is is. I, I just I, I'm I'm real. I'm mean, we're real like hesitant to hear people like start gassing up Bo Nix right now. I just I'm not quite there yet with him.
2: Yeah, that Auburn game, from what I saw, was pretty much the exact same game as the Oregon game, except they were playing a, a team that wasn't as good as Oregon. Because like Auburn was mostly ineffective the entire first half. Bo Nix was nineteen of thirty-seven for two hundred and seven yards and a touchdown. And Auburn, I think, like halftime, they were averaging three yards a carry. They only finished at three point eight. But like Whitlow just kind of wore on the two-lane defense in the second half. That was able to finally put them over the edge. But Auburn's two and zero. And it was a really exciting comeback win against Oregon. But there's, I'm not exactly excited about the Tigers right now. You know what I mean? I I feel better about A and M than I do Auburn, even though A and M lost. And I think that LSU and Bama are LSU and Bama.
0: Well, LSU, I mean, you know, has created that separation where you're looking mm-hmm. at them and you're like, yeah, okay. And then A and M and Auburn are kind of fighting for that those two spots. And then you get down to Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss down at the bottom of the SEC West. Uh, but I, I don't, I just, I just don't know why you, you don't see a connection between Justin McMillan and Justin Herbert, right? I mean, they're basically <laughs> the same player.
2: I mean, how about, how about Justin McMillan, ten for thirty-three tonight <laughs> for hundred and three yards? Um, how about what Oregon did to Nevada? Yeah, yeah. I didn't see any of that, but I saw the final score. Uh,
3: That was that That uh, would be
0: seventy-seven to six for those who didn't uh, (laughs) stick around for all that. Um, And uh, I believe that was one of my locks. Nevada plus (laughs) twenty-four. Man, it's fun to be wrong that bad. (laughs) If I'm going to be
2: wrong, I want to be lighted on fire wrong. It's pretty bad when you've got like twenty four points and halfway through the second quarter you're tearing up the ticket. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, well, that ain't gonna work. Let's see. So, uh, Florida State. uh oh. almost oh lost. Oh my god! <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you I don't for have- refocusing <laughs> us. Yeah.
3: Just yeah, let's let's make let's, let's make, make sure, sure we, this <laughs> we give serious. we give Florida State the appropriate amount of discussion because uh, whew, man, it's getting it's like the whole the whole game like because cause we were with Danny Cannell and like we were sort of like joking with him like oh you are only up ten you know and like oh like you know you look up and like all of a sudden it's a three point game. And then ULM's up, and then it's like, wait a minute, this is this is serious. We're getting serious here. Uh, Who? I don't know. I don't even know. Like I didn't watch enough of it to describe it. But that's that's ridiculous, man.
2: Did you get to see I much didn't of it, see Tom? Any of it. I don't have the ACC network, so I didn't see any of it. So, But from what I was following along and from what I was talking to people who were watching it, I mean, it's, I guess dehydration again got him again. But no, my favorite quote from Taggart after the game, like he was, you know, just talking about how they got a lot of things to work on. And he said there's problems. But then he said like something to the effect at the end of the game that, well, you know, the defense came through and we needed it to in the end. They won because Monroe missed an extra point. <laughs> Your defense didn't come through for crap, and they they gave up a touchdown, and then ULM missed the extra point, and you won. It's yeah, it was just it is it has been a very rough two weeks for Willie Taggart. I mean, you you had 500 yards of offense, and you beat Monroe by a point.
3: So they so yeah, I mean, this Harlan Barnett is uh, he's, he, he's 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 got some issues right now defensively uh i mean i I don't know how like how can louisiana monroe possibly produce that kind of point total i mean again i didn't watch the game much i watched a little bit of it but but we had it pulled up in the press box
0: and we were kind of glued to it there in the the final 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 sequence and and uh and the crowd shots were bad you know like the that's that's the uh you know the intangible factor of all this cuz you're 100% right like there is some oh my gosh like how does a a team that has marvin wilson in the defensive line and and all these other uh all these other stars all over the place give up that kind of yardage those kind of points to a team like ULM and then i'm looking at it and i'm like Man are, are like Florida State's like students even excited? Are they even showing up to games? Like, is there such a defeatist and downtrodden attitude that is running around that football program that there is just there is no escape? Like, there there is only like this can get worse. I thought five and I thought that last year was going to be the bottom. Like as if, uh, as if you know there was the the Jimbo Fisher year and that was the the slide. And then Willie Taggart had to take it further, and then all of a sudden it's going to turn around, and it's like, oh no no no, this this can get yeah. worse. Like, are we watching this get even worse?
3: I think so. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's ULM, yeah. and and, and uh, I didn't. I mean, I don't even know who ULM beat last week, but they're they were one zero going in. I think they beat a FCS team or something, but. Uh, that there's there's no way that u l m is is good enough to where there there's any excuse for that so is florida state gonna go four
0: and eight but beat Clemson no <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, i don't see
3: that uh, no and and uh so so where is hope most lost where is the where is the deeper like chasm of despair is it in Tallahassee or is it in Knoxville
2: I don't know I mean I can't imagine things are too good in Knoxville but I also wonder if they're more numb to it at this point I mean because you know you lost to Georgia State last week you lose to BYU in overtime and just they found a way I don't know they they found a way to lose exactly. They gave up a sixty four yard completion in the final minute. It's like, what do you think they're doing? They're going deep, and you let a guy get behind your secondary. But I, I think right now I, I would say at Florida State simply because even though they're one and one, there's still high expectations. This is a team that won a national championship like five years ago. You know what I'm saying? This is they they they're still they're kind of still coming to grips with watching Clemson rise up and surpass them and keep getting further away, let alone just, you know, getting past them. So I I would say there's more despair at Florida State and Tallahassee right now than there is in Tennessee because I think if you're Tennessee, man, they they just want to get to bowl games right now. They're taking baby steps. And Losing to Georgia State and BYU sucks, and they're not happy about it. It's the first time they're 0-2 since 1988, but it's not like you had high expectations going into the season. You just wanted to go bowling.
0: Tennessee's despair is way more entertaining than Florida
3: State's. No, it, it's not entertaining anymore. It's it is. It, I f, I just I feel like sorry for them now.
0: <laughs> despair suggests passion, and I do think there's still more passion. Like even if even if they are numb to it, and even if they have taken this like dark comedy, twisted like nihilistic, everything is meaningless type approach to it, it's because they have multiple generations of, like, Tennessee season ticket holders. And in, like, when you compare those two programs, like, Tennessee has grandparents and, like, you know, the deep family lines. Florida State in, like, that kind of world is new. Like, Florida State doesn't have uh, grandparents who have passed down season tickets. And so it is easier for me to believe that Florida State can go through a lost generation. They can go through, like, a... A, a little bit of a, a program lost its way and then maybe come back. But Tennessee had it all going for so long, and it has not for, what, 20 years? Uh, gosh, I mean, yes. Competed for SEC championship. Uh, competed on that kind of level.
2: I think about I, – I have a cousin who went to Tennessee a long time ago when Tennessee was still Tennessee, and his son is a freshman at Tennessee this year. <laughs> And I think about the big Tennessee fans, big Tennessee family, and I think of what my cousin wit- witnessed as far as Tennessee football is concerned while he was in college compared to what his son has now seen through two games of his college experience. It's just, whew, things change.
3: I mean, Florida State is still sort of like entertaining to me, like from afar as a, as, as an uninvested observer I still sort of Florida State is it's almost like comical a little bit to me. Like how are they? How are they this talented and they can't beat ULM, but like earlier than overtime. Uh, but Tennessee, it's just got it's like it's like way past the point of entertainment. It's like just sad now. It's like the you know the your your uncle who comes to Thanksgiving and has a little too much to drink and he's entertaining. And then, like a couple years later, you realize, like, oh no, he's got a like. A, like, this isn't funny anymore. He's got a problem. Sure, like, we should, he needs to go. This like, is yeah, all yeah. he has. <laughs> like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this, isn't, this, isn't this, like funny, is, this is like funny drunk uncle. This is like is forward to all year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So, like, this is it's getting like sad for the Tennessee stuff at this point. Um, and and it is it is such a tradition rich program that is sort of like, you know, I mean. Ultimately, we're still only about three years away, f- removed from Florida State being pretty dang good, and Tennessee just, man, it just keeps on the, the, like the the valley keeps on getting deeper and deeper.
0: Old Lady Leary led a lantern on the boat, and when the cow tipped it over, the whole Vol Navy burned to the ground. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, okay, any anything else on the notepad before we get out of here?
2: Uh, shout out to Illinois for falling down 13 to nothing on the road. Game started with a Brandon Peters pick six, and in previous years, that's the end of it for Illinois, on the road. But even though it's only UConn, it was nice to see them not get down, to come back, fight back, take the lead in the second quarter, and then just finish the job in the second half. So shout out to the Illini.
3: Well, you warned me on that one. Um, I should have never taken Illinois on the road, laying three touchdowns. But uh, lesson learned. What was your uh, record in locks, Tom?
2: Uh, In the locks, I went a beautiful three and six this week, and I'm now 11 and 11 on the season.
0: Mm. Hey, it's early got got a lot of work to do i'm, I'm just waiting for bowl season to just <laughs> un- <laughs> psychology season yeah yeah yeah. absolutely so I, armchair psychology season all right you can follow him on twitter at barton simmons you can follow him at tom fernelli we will be back on monday with a new episode uh pu- putting together the pieces seeing what we missed advancing everything as we look on to week three gentlemen thank you very much
2: thank you